Welcome to the Cool Tools Show. I'm Mark Frauenfelder, Editor-in-Chief of Cool Tools, a website of tool recommendations written by our readers. You can find us at cool-tools.org. I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Kelly, founder of Cool Tools. Hey, Kevin. Hey, it's great to be here. In each episode of the Cool Tools Show, Kevin and I talk to a guest about some of his or her favorite uncommon and uncommonly good tools they think others should know about. Our guest this week is Mac Reed. Mac is a veteran startup technologist, recovering journalist, builder of musical instruments, burner, and hopelessly hacky maker who wouldn't know a close tolerance unless he got his fingers caught in it, which has happened more than once. And that has happened to me too as well. How are you doing, Mac? Yeah, good. Thanks, Mark. How are you? Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're so delighted you're joining us and um, can't wait to hear what you have in store to tell us about. All right. Very sweet. I'm very happy to be here, guys. Yeah, me too. And, and so, yeah, Mac, I, I've known you for quite a while. We have a mutual friend, Corey Doctorow, have had a lot of fun hanging out together. Um, and uh, I thought it'd be great to have you on the show. So why don't you first tell us about the Benchmade Barrage Assisted Opening Pocket Knife? Right. So this is, uh, I've had pocket knives since I think my dad gave me one when I was probably eight. And it was a little sort of one of those mock uh, uh, horn handle things with a, a little flat blade, you'd open it up and sort of fiddle with it. And that was it. And I, until I found this knife, I just sort of went through a succession of knives. Some of them wouldn't open well enough. Some of them would get gummed up very easily. Uh, some of them wouldn't keep an edge or they'd be flimsy. And I just wanted something that I could carry that uh, would do all the stupid things you do with knives, which is like cutting open packages and slicing ropes and cleaning off battery terminals and picking your teeth at 90 miles an hour. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. My, my wife still just shudders every time I do that. It's like, it's the cleanest tool I have. And I got something in my teeth, man. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a, uh, assisted, uh, what, what's it called? Assisted opening. It's not actually legal to possess in some states, New York mm -hmm. being among them. I just left New York. Uh, it's about a two inch blade. Uh, it's uh, carbon steel. There's a name on it, uh, Osborne. It's an Osborne blade, 164 centimeters, says the marking. And it's got a, uh, a, a black molded handle and a nice clip. And the fun thing about it is the lock mechanism is uh, uh, two-sided. There are buttons on either side of the knife near the uh, hinge that allow you to close it with a thumb, no matter whether you're right or left-handed, and put it away. And when you go to open it, you you know move the stud just a tiny bit, and it, it flicks open. Uh, it's very threatening looking, but it's great to have when you've got one hand full of something you need to cut, and you've got one other hand to work with. It's like I need to cut this thing now because something horrible is going to happen if I don't. <laughs> right. So it's great to have this thing at hand. So so you you um, have directed us to a particular one. I think it's maybe called the Barrage or something. But this yeah. maker. They have a bunch of other slightly different models. Um, is this one superior to them for some reason, or are all they kind of roughly depending on your? Budget? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know for a fact. Um, I, I know Benchmade makes really good blades. I looked at a bunch of them when I bought this. Uh, I was actually in a knife store in Alaska and um, had been looking for an, another assisted opening one. I had a Kershaw earlier. Kershaw is sort of one level down. Uh, in, in terms of quality and uh, build quality and uh, finish. And I've looked at some of the more expensive ones. The spider codes are a little more expensive. And it's like, you know what? I can just afford this. This will be great. Uh, I tried it out a bunch 
and just fell in love with it. And I have not regretted it since. I think I bought it like three years ago. Uh, and it's been a very, very good tool. How much did you pay for it? Uh, well, I think they retail for like 175. Mm -hmm. This one was on, uh, it was, it was used, didn't have a mark on it, but it was used and it was, uh, 85. And, uh, I thought, well, that's a deal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like that you bought it used. You bought it at like a, a store that sells used knives. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to I guess people, I don't know, man, I guess they get tired of one knife and want to move on to another or, you know, they're swapping them like they swap socks. Is there a store for used knives or a marketplace or wh where did you actually find a used knife? Yeah, this was a, there was a store in Alaska. It's, I'm simply not going to remember the name. Oh, I mean, it's actually a physical store where you walk yeah, in. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah okay. You walk I thought in, it was they glass counters. Right. Yeah. No, I, they, I'm sure there are, there, there are aficionado sites and, and trading posts. You can find used knives on uh, obviously eBay and uh, mm -hmm. Craigslist and that kind of thing. But if you're, Buying a tool that's as important as a pocket knife, you really want to hold it, I think, unless you've already obviously tested it in the store. Right. That's a good idea. Yeah. Well, anyway, it sounds like this company, Benchmade, has a mm -hmm. number of very kind of similar models and blades. So, so you might want to just seek that out and then try to find one that would fit your hand or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and there's all kinds of customization. You can actually, I think, on the, the Benchmade website now, you can customize it to have, uh, you know, blue hardware and Damascus blade and all kinds of handles and grips and things. Mm -hmm. uh, have at it. Right. And we should say, of course, that this is not TSA compliant. <laughs> uh, this is most definitely not. It's not TSA compliant, and you will get arrested and have it taken away from you. If you're so foolish as to, to get caught possessing it in uh, New York and other states. Oh, so so even if you're walking around the streets of New York and you have this in your pocket, it's like yeah, not. It's it a misdemeanor. It's a misdemeanor. Okay. okay. Yeah. Huh. Crazy. What about California? Assisted opening. I don't know what California's laws are on assisted opening. Huh. Um, it's like it's tantamount to a switchblade. Mm -hmm. I can. Uh, I'll open it now, and you can hear it. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sounds really We're going to arrest you right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, lots of luck. I'm many miles away from you guys. <laughs> okay. Well, this is a great one. Thank you. That was really um, nice. I don't, you know, I carry around my 99 cent plastic box cutter all mm -hmm. the time. And um, this would be a step up, I guess. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it may be, you know, it may be a blunderbuss for a mosquito in, in many cases, but uh, yeah. I, I, I love it. Okay, and what's so? What's the uh, the second tool that you have for us? Um, an app, I think. Yeah, yeah. There's a drawing app uh, which is available on iPad. Uh, I don't know if it's available on Android, but it's called Paper, and mm -hmm. it's by the company WeTransfer. Uh, and it's a just an extremely simple drawing app. There's a, 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 a Obviously, you have the things are arranged in sketchbooks. You can create a new sketch for a new sketchbook. You can customize the cover of the sketchbook if you want. Uh, change the title and that kind of thing. And then when you go to the drawing surface, you have a really simple palette. And the tools range from uh, there's a, a a pen, a pencil, a marker, uh, an ink pen. And then this really nifty tool that uh, the name of which is escaping me, but allows you to draw shapes. And if you can roughly draw a circle, like really roughly, it'll render it as a pretty perfect circle. 
or a triangle or a trapezoid that does really nicely with uh, uh, shapes. And these shapes you can then move around if you need to. So it's very good for drawing flow diagrams, um, which in my line of work in you know, product development, product ideation is really helpful. Uh, but the other, the drawing tools with it, the, the pen and the pencil and so forth, make it a pretty good illustration tool. Uh, and I'm, I'm not an illustrator. I've seen some amazing stuff that people have done with this app. Um, but I found it really useful for uh, just drawing sketches, sketching out instruments that I'm building, uh, sketching, you know, what's the backyard going to look like if we redo it, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So I have become a, this year, a recent convert to, uh, convert to Procreate on the iPad, and I'm making art every day using yeah. Procreate, which has it sounds very similar. I don't know... Um, uh, this one. So, do, are you familiar with this, and how and how does that compare to Procreate? I am, Kevin, and I've seen your work on Procreate. You drew an apple. You posted an apple yeah, on Instagram yeah. recently. That was. Right, right. I had to look at it twice because it was pretty photo real. That's so yeah. cool. Uh, yeah, it's really yeah, really. Kevin, nice. you're getting really good. Yeah, well, you do it every day. It's <laughs> that's what happens. So, uh, errors, right? So, yeah, exactly. So, so how how does it compare to Procreate? Is it kind of like a Simpler form. I mean, Procreate's I, only ten dollars, so it can't be any cheaper. Yeah, it's well. It, I I think paper has a subscription model, and again, it's going to escape me what the the model is. I think it's like eleven dollars for six months or something, which gives you access to some of the more subtle tools. Um, but I I think Procreate is probably more powerful uh, in terms of the number of uh, tools you have, the flexibility and the adjustability of each and the, the subtlety of the palette. Uh, but it's also much more complicated. Mm -hmm. uh, I tried Procreate a few times and a couple of other drawing tools, and I was just kind of flustered by it. It was a little too difficult. There's a me. lot going on. Yeah. Paper's, paper's just dead simple, uh, which is you know probably not good enough for people that are you know drawing and, and painting every day and want to do high art. Um, but it's great for, again, sketching ideas, making notes, uh, roughing out designs for things. Uh, I, I've really found it very helpful. Mm -hmm. okay. And so how, if you want to actually like send the drawing to someone or, or email it or print it out, export does it, it have the tools for that? Yeah. Yeah. Export. Yeah. Yeah. By all means. Yeah. You can, you can export it to a file. Uh, you can share from the app. The other thing that's nice is you can actually uh, import a photo into it uh, as a layer and then draw on the photo, uh, shape it. There's a cutting tool where you can uh, cut out shapes, move them around, reposition them. Uh, you can cut and paste from one. The pro version lets you cut and paste from one drawing to another. Uh, so it's got some really basic sort of multi-layer functionality to it. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds cool. super useful. Yeah, it's, it's a nice app. I, I like it quite a bit. And it's it's really pleasant to, to work with. After you've been using it for a while, you get pretty fluid with it. And uh, it's, it's comfortable. It's an old friend. Yeah, That sounds great. So it's just called Paper. Paper by WeTransfer. Uh, there's a bunch of other things called Paper on the App Store. But if you look up Paper by WeTransfer, you'll find it. Uh, and it work, it plays nicely with uh, the iPad Pencil as well, if you have a, an iPad Pro. Mm -hmm. Cool. That sounds good. Okay. Well, thanks. So uh, mm -hmm. tell us about the next one. Uh, it's a, uh, a camping mattress. Yes. So Ferberest, uh, I think for many years, has made uh, inflatable camping mattresses. And 
this particular model, uh, the base camp is the most recent one. I don't know if I even have the base camp model, but it looked like the most similar one compared to the website. And the reason I say I don't know is because I've had this thing for 20 years plus. So the base camp is a uh, sort of an inflatable envelope, uh, but it doesn't, it's not like the usual blow up mattress. It's not sort of like six inches thick and has little fake coils in it. It's fully inflated maybe three quarters of an inch to an inch thick. And there's a little uh, screw valve at one end. You open it up, you blow into it. And it actually, because of the way it's constructed inside, it has uh, uh, cells that sort of run vertically between the top surface and the bottom surface that automatically expand as you open it and allow air to enter it. So it self-inflates to some extent. And then you can blow it up and adjust the firmness by how much air is in it. Mm-hmm. The great thing is that um, when you're done with it, you uh, unscrew the valve, you roll it up tightly, and it compresses down to about, gosh, probably 24 inches by uh, maybe six, seven in diameter. Uh, and you can strap it to the back of a backpack or shove it in your car trunk. Um, and it's it's really actually pretty comfortable. It keeps the cold away. And uh, it's uh, just enough air. And if you let a little air out, it's supple enough that you never feel there's ground under you. You're, you're pretty much floating on it the whole time. Right. How so nice. it's, it's sort of like um, a hybrid between those little accordion foam pads and mm-hmm. an air mattress, a full-blown air mattress. So this is sort of like something in between where it has you know, some of the virtues of both. Yeah, yeah. And the nice thing, I mean, have you ever had an air mattress that you had to blow up with a blower? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. Is, <laughs> so, so, so take so that I, out of the equation. We've had uh, thermos for 25 years, and here's something that I didn't know. Inside mm. them is a kind of a foam core that, that does the, the, you know, kind of reinf- self-reinflating. And yeah. our, our thermos are so old, <laughs> 25 years, that they actually, um, the seams on the outside envelope have burst. Oh, wow. But it's still, but it's still useful uh, because is it hold air? Well, because there's foam, and so it's, it's yeah. just, it becomes kind of a thin foam mattress, um, and so even in kind of a weird broken form, they're still we still use them. <laughs> they're not as good. That's amazing, but Kevin. they're useful. So, so even in the failure mode. Um, yeah. they still work yeah. it's like the run the run flat tires of camping mountains yes, exactly. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're well, so but, they're yeah they're they're just they're useful as hell honestly i and i i punctured one once i actually managed to puncture one i was at a bar camp event and mark i don't know if you ever went to bar camp la uh back in the the early aughts but no um, i haven't but I know it was it. sort of an an unconference that would take place and people yeah. would show up in a bar and do talks on this and that. And uh, you'd sleep in the bar overnight and there'd be another session in the morning. Uh, and there was a nail sticking out of the floor and I finally traced my mattress getting crappy and feeling thin to that nail. Uh, you can order a patch kit from Thermarest and uh, it goes on pretty much like a bicycle patch. There's an adhesive and the patch you let the adhesive cure a bit and slap the patch on and leave it alone for about an hour, and it's good as new. Yeah. And I patched this thing once, cool. and it's never lost air since. So it's a really yeah. great great tool. And how much do they go for? What's the approximate price here? Uh, they range from 80 to 130 bucks. Okay. Uh, I got the uh, extra large, or I think I got the large. It's it's like it's long. It's like seven feet long, so you can 
you know, rest your arms behind your head kind of thing without hitting the floor. Yeah, and, and I also would say that this is for kind of like car camping. This is n- yeah. not ideal for backpacking. If I was back, if I had to carry this over, you know, up and down, I would use one of those accordion um, accordion foam pads because they're, yeah. they're lighter. But this is perfect for kind of car camping kind of stuff. Totally. That. Do you like the foam pads, Kevin? The, fo- the foldable ones? The accordion ones? The fo- yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I use when I have to backpack. It's For me, it's mm-hmm. the... Um, the lightest best for the that, that kind of trade-off I, I don't know but that's been i don't know at least 10 years since they've even looked at what's available i don't know if there's something better than that but the uh, accordion foam ones are the ones that i use when i have to backpack oh i'll have to try that next time i next time I backpack. yeah I they're, they're adequate enough and they're much much lighter and they're a mm-hmm. little smaller that you can put it onto your backpack much easier yeah and okay, i use it for enough. biking too when i'm when we're um Bike touring overnight, um, mm-hmm. those accordion ones. So, so anyways, this thermo rest or legendary, old timery, um, old school kind of uh, sleeping bag. Yes, yeah, a sleeping pad. Is that what yep. you use at Burning Man, Mac? Yeah, yeah, that's Burning what I Man. use too. Yeah, I use them. That's, in fact, I, 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 this is a Burning Man thing, but I would not even bring my tents. I would just lay out my thermo rest out on the playa, in, yeah. the, in, the, in the walk-in camp area. And um, yeah, and I would just lay it right on the playa and lay on it and thermo rest. Yep, it's dusty as anything. <laughs> you can look at mine and you can say they've been to Burning Man. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say uh, you wake up with a, a, a your facial in the morning. It's it's quite attractive, right? Exactly. Right? <laughs> so so Mac, what's so uh, let's talk about your another fourth one here. The the um, cordless drills. Yeah. Uh, so DeWalt makes a ridiculous line of tools. They're, you know, batteries have been getting better and better and better over the years. And, um, well, last one finally bit the dust. I think I burned it out probably six, seven years into its life. And I abused the hell out of them. Uh, and I keep buying them because they're, they really stand up over time. Um, so this is the, the, the one I got probably about a year and a half ago was the DeWalt. Atomic, uh, brushless, cordless drill, and it comes with an impact driver in the combo that I bought. So you get these two tools and a little, uh, uh, a little zippy, zippy fabric bag. Uh, I think it's like rip soft nylon. And, um, they're, uh, variable speed. Uh, they're, uh, the batteries are pretty small, pretty light, and it's a 20 volt battery. So it's got a ridiculous amount of torque. Um, you can put a half inch drill through a two by four in about six seconds with a little bit of extra pressure. Um, and I, I just finished, uh, we just moved to Seattle into a, a house that's new to us anyway. It's an old house. And I just finished stripping the front steps with this drill and a wire stripper, a, a, a wire brush, uh, a stripper head. Um, and I think I, Oh, it, it's 10 steps. The steps are ridiculous. They're like eight inch treads. Who makes steps that shallow anymore? I don't know. They're treacherous. They're going to, I'm going to hold on them <laughs> one day. Uh, but strip them off in the space of about, there are 10 steps. I stripped them off in about, uh, gosh, an hour and a half. I think I changed batteries maybe five times, maybe six times. So that's that's a, an indication of you know how long the battery and that was continuous operation me running a, a, a stripper head on this thing. 
mm-hmm. which is probably not what it's designed for. Yes. But it's like <laughs> all of our stuff hasn't the moving van hasn't arrived yet. My 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 ancient craftsman uh, plug-in drill isn't here, so yeah, he's the battery exactly. one. Did yeah. it get hot? The drill? Uh, not especially. No. Yeah. It was. It was uh, nice. You know, heated up a little. Yeah, I have the 18 volt version of both of those, and mm-hmm. um, they are, um, yeah, they're, they're just, I wouldn't say indestructible, but I certainly have seen nowhere over the many years I've been using them. Um, and um, the other thing that I do is you can get little adapters to buy um, extra batteries that are the um, third party, non DeWalt um, mm. kind of batteries. They haven't DRM'd their batteries like everybody else has their, their right exactly um, because because I you know you want to have extra batteries you can't really have too many batteries going but um, mm-hmm. you can get adapters but anyway the, these these Dewalt tools are really great fantastic That's cool so you can plug like a Makita battery into it or a Milwaukee yeah. battery mm, you can oh, neat. That's yeah, just quick. look up, look under, you know, battery adapters, and you can go from A to Z, Z to B, T, T to W, all this, you know, the, the huh. any combination you can imagine. That's cool. It's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I, I find these, this thing indestructible and indispensable. Um, I, you know, so stripping steps, I built a bunch of uh, instruments using it, uh, cajones and morimbulas. Uh, I built a, a road case for, I have a 1902 Deegan marimba. It's a three and a half octave marimba. It's a beautiful instrument. And I knew we'd be moving. And I built a road case for it out of, uh, this is another, actually, this is a sub cool tool. There's a company called DIYRoadCases.com. And you can order the aluminum frame parts and the uh, casters and the latches, everything you need. Uh, except for the plywood, obviously, to build uh, like a Led Zeppelin quality road case for anything of any a size. Road case. What's a road case? Yeah, a, a, a case for carrying equipment, right? Uh, like, you know, the kind of thing with the, the big heavy chrome latches. Mm-hmm. Only oh, like the, a plywood the, uh, box outside, you know, the, the, the roadies would kind of maybe sometimes be on casters for their right, equipment. Right, right. Yeah, with casters and with with bumper corner, you know, steel uh-huh. corners on them, so the the face of the box never touches anything; it just mm-hmm. rests on the steel corners. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you can you know you kick the hell out of these things. And it's it it, it anyway. Use the the drill to build one of these things for the marimba. The box is probably oh gosh, five feet by two and a half by ten inches, um, and it's it's you know. It's solid stuff. Anyway, the road case uh, parts you can find, DIYRoadCases.com. And I'm not shilling for them. I just want you to know that <laughs> here's this, this cool thing. You can, if you want to build a case for your, your Fender Stratocaster or your, your DJ mix panel or whatever, uh, that's the place to go. Okay, that's really that's, that's a great DIY road. DIY, yeah, DIYRoadCases.com. Okay, fantastic. So you have one mm-hmm. a little bit kind of a bonus um, Suggestion here, um, maybe something that might be, uh, you have to kind of go to Craigslist or somewhere to find it. Um, tell us about your um, your drill press. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, at some point, we're at the Mexican swap meet in uh, Los Angeles at the LA City College. Uh, it's wonderful. It's just all these vendors come out and people are Why is it called Mexican tools. swap meet? What, what, what's... It's, 
it's all Mexican vendors. They're 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 uh-huh. uh, they, all Mexican Mexican American uh, Angelinos, uh-huh. uh, and they're selling everything from uh, shaved ice to uh, uh, you know hair barrettes to sound systems to used tools. It's a swap meet, and it's just sort of whatever's on sale. And the tool places always have stuff that's been so that's been pretty badly thrashed. Like you know you don't want to use it. But I found a drill press there once and I needed it for this crazy project I got into uh, for 60 bucks. And uh, it's just a, a, a big, stupid machine. It's got uh, uh, pulleys on the top so you can adjust the speed of the drill. Uh, it's a belt-driven thing. And uh, I can't remember what the, the throw distance is, but you can mount up to a quarter, a, a half-inch bit into it. And I built uh, uh, my mutant vehicle, Xylovan, with this thing, uh, which involved um, making xylophones out of uh, three-inch by half-inch aluminum bar stock, recycled aluminum. Uh, And when you got to drill through 84 pieces of metal like that, you want something that's just not going to quit. And this drill press that I got, Chinese-made, no-name drill press, uh, for sixty dollars, just never quit on me. It was fantastic. Hmm. So yeah, Chinese these days when you say Chinese tools, that's a pretty broad thing because <laughs> most everything, yeah, right? <laughs> including the Dewalt's, are probably Chinese uh, tools. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I recently um, had kind of a no-name, probably Chinese tool, and I upgraded to a brand-named Chinese tools, a Wen. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Wen, right. Yeah, and I'm completely enamored of that because here's the thing. It was a variable speed um, with one lever. You didn't have to change the pulleys. You just had to move uh-huh. the lever. And, oh, nice. Um, I know, I know. A drill press? Yes. A drill okay. press with a completely variable speed without having to change the pulleys. You, it it um, has something like a, I don't know, like a clutch or something that does it. Um, so that was all. That was a. Chinese thing and man that's really been really great um, it's not the kind of um, what you describe as kind of like there's a motor a big yep. motor and pulleys and this yep. is monster motor and it's just going to drill and that's all it's going to do yeah yeah well you think sounds very slick that's nice yeah yeah what do you make with it oh I use it in my shop for um, all the I'm making a railway around uh, the perimeter of my studio. Um, oh, great! So I'm drilling uh, the metal supports to hang it from the roof, from the ceiling. Oh, what fun! What, yes. uh, what gauge railway is it? O twenty-seven. Basically, it's it's O O gauge. It's okay. like a Lionel. So it's like the. In fact, it is my set of railway trains that I was given to me by my dad. When I mm-hmm. was ten, and it's the, I have yeah. the same. I still have them. The same. So that's neat, Kevin. I still have them. Yeah, yep. yeah. It's just the same. My my dad uh, gave me trains at that age too, and they were Lionels, and uh, he built a bunch of buildings for them, and I still yeah. have them. Like they, yeah, that's beautiful. Speaking yeah. of train sets, have you ever seen Rod Stewart's train set? Yes, I know. <laughs> it's insane. It's in- unbelievable. Like? But here's the thing. I I tried to do some research on it. It was like, did he actually 
build it himself or did he just hire someone to build it? I was trying to figure that out mm. because I if think he, he did build it himself. If he actually did that, I would just be floored because that is such an immense amount of work. But I thought that maybe he was just kind of like, you know, hired out a lot of that. Um, you know, I don't know. So I, I would like to know. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he did it himself. It looks like a, it looks like a, a fictional mid-sized city like yeah. Pittsburgh in the 30s or something. And wow. when you, you see a photo, you think it's a city until you see Rod Stewart's yeah. head, you know, like six stories <laughs> tall. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he, he was, ins- I was somewhat inspired by the little town that I built. I have right above my house, I'm right above my desk right here. I built mm-hmm. a town that has um, uh, 15 or so buildings in it. On the on the same about the same scale, and um, mm-hmm. that was some of the inspiration for me to build this town here. And so wow. I know how much work it was I, to do the whole city. Oh my gosh! What so what what building do you think you spent almost too much time on, but you're really proud of it? Oh, none of them were too much time on. But my favorite building is one where I put a a billboard. Um, you know, they painted on the side of the brick. They had kind of like they would use these for signs, like advertising signs. Mm-hmm. And so, making the advertising sign and getting that right was a project in itself because I yeah. used something where I designed the sign, and then I would print it out, and then I transferred it to the side of the brick building in a way so that it looked like it had been there and old and kind of. Um, Faded in some ways, and that was, oh wow, that really looks cool. Wow, that's neat. So, tell us about um, what it, if people want to follow you. What are you up to these days? Um, uh, what do you want people well, to yeah, know? Yeah, I um, so um, uh, let me see. I was in startups for a long time, very unprofitably, <laughs> and uh, decided to walk away from it. Moved to New York, wound up getting into. Um, mutual aid work because the, you know, the lockdown happened and it was hard to network my way to whatever the next big thing was. So I worked in mutual aid in New York city for 14 months and uh, came to understand just how many people were already living close to the brink. And when the economy changed, uh, they were pushed over the brink. There are a lot of folks in New York who are still without homes and still struggling for the next meal. And the mutual aid organizations I was working with just, drove to help them. They would buy groceries, help distribute food, uh, help people find housing, uh, help them with getting vaccine appointments, that kind of thing. And it was really super rewarding work. Um, And we made the decision after a while to leave New York just because it was too expensive. We couldn't afford to be there any longer and uh, moved to Seattle. And right about the same time, uh, uh, another startup, a guy I worked with for many years, uh, called me in and we talked for a while and I wound up uh, taking a job with them full time. So I'm working uh, with Clipper, C-L-I-P-R dot A-I. It's a video analysis and management platform that basically uh, analyzes video, uh, uses A-I to detect speech patterns and syntax and identify the topics that are being talked about so that it then indexes everything in a video and will help you find anything through search uh, and help identify different parts of a, a meeting, for instance, what the, where the introduction is, where the pitch statement is, that kind of thing. So it's a really exciting uh, 
uh, company to be working in. Doing that and uh, just really looking forward to getting our house in Seattle set up so I can get back to building musical instruments because uh, that's my passion. Really, uh, wow. Have some, some crazy ideas and uh, want to start playing with them. That's cool. We, we need, that we need some more crazy, yeah, we need more crazy musical instruments. Yeah. Um, we'll have links to your, uh, your social media so that mm -hmm. people can see um, the kind of stuff that you are working on. Um, mm -hmm. Mac, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to talk to us. I really appreciate uh, it. Totally my pleasure, Mark. Thank you both. I really had fun talking with you guys. Hey everybody, it's your co-host Mark, and I wanted to let you know that we have a lot more going on here in Cool Tools than just this podcast. We have our flagship website where we review a new tool every day. That's at cool-tools.org. We also have four different newsletters. We have this podcast. We have a YouTube channel where we review tools. And if you like what you hear and see and read, the best way to help us out is by going to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash cooltools and donate at any level you wish. You can even contribute $1 a month, and, and that would mean a lot to us. The money that you give us will go towards paying for our transcribing costs, editing videos, and editing the podcast. It goes towards paying contributors who write the reviews for us. It goes towards our equipment costs, our hosting costs, and it supports our very small company of three people. This week, I wanted to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters who have been giving us at least $2 a month. And if you give us $2 a month, we'll give you a shout out online. And this week, I would like to thank Michael Sakochia, Molly Starr, M. Velderman, Opposable Thumbs, Pamela Cooley, Patrick Weyer, Paul Hosey, Randy Fisher, Stuart Burroughs Brand, Synaptic Sam, Therese Schwartz, Tom Hawkins, Tom Markham, What Bear, Javier Pangolin, David Lang, Eric Byers, Sean Hartley, Stephen Powell, Greg Lichtscheidt, John Hobson, Adam Bristol, Adam Naher, Anonymous, Bill Kempthorne, Bruce I. Niles, Chris Woodruff, C. Kolos, Daryl Flynn, Egg Fliegoff, Eric Hanschrau, Eric Hoover, Godfrey Saldana, Jay Skiles, John M. Larson, Jude Galligan, Kenneth Gilman, and Lucas Frank. Thank you very much for supporting the show, and we will see you next week. <music>